going on youtube welcome back to jack of all trades uh brandon is not here this week he'll be back next week so it's just uh, myself kaylin and sam here um we're gonna keep it short this week and we're just gonna talk some basics about uh investing and trading because um i had some messages regarding that um and so let's uh, get into it kaylin all right um so first thing i want to talk about sam if you want to pull up my screen here uh brandon actually pointed this out uh to us i think a few weeks back now on peloton um, he just kind of, he just chimed in and said, you know, look at this head and shoulders pattern. Have you ever seen anything so good? Right. So I was like, oh, okay, let's take a look at that. Cause you know, I, I like short selling, but more than I like going long. So basically what I did is I was looking at this pattern here and you know, these are the daily candles. As you can see, you got this really nice big head and shoulders pattern, um, volume down here, you know, you had your big run up. So you got a lot of volume coming up into this area. So, you, so I know that, you know, over a hundred bucks or so, there's probably going to be a lot of people that are underwater over here so when it was pointed out it was essentially like around here and like the one 100 104 areas when brendan pointed it out to us so i started looking into it and i'm like okay well you know i've never taken i've never taken a, a short swing overnight before because as you guys know most of the stuff i play is small caps and those things have a tendency to gap up 200 percent every now and again which i don't want to be involved in but i figured you know this thing's a large cap it's probably not really going to have any crazy gaps overnight so like let's let's dig into this a little bit so um basically my my original thesis on this was we were talking about netflix a few weeks back on the uh on the podcast here and what happened essentially is netflix is kind of one of the, the COVID stocks so to speak so netflix earnings was coming up and although the earnings per share was actually quite good their subscribers had gone way down and then netflix gapped down i think it was like 10 percent after hours as soon as the thing came out as soon as the report came out so I kind of use that as a similar sort of thesis for this. I'm thinking, okay, you know, Peloton is basically just a treadmill with an iPad on it. Like it's nothing spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> so like, you know, the product really isn't anything too spectacular or, or innovative. So right there, I'm thinking, all right, you know, it's not that great. Um, and then essentially I was thinking my whole thesis uh, from a fundamental perspective was, okay, you know, if, if this is kind of part of those COVID stocks, even if they have good earnings per share, I'm kind of expecting that their sales have gone down since the last quarter, um, just because you know a lot of people are now going back to gyms in the states, like things are opening up. So I'm, I'm obviously expecting a decline in sales on this. So what I did basically is, you know, we were, we were over here again at this point by the time I by the time I saw this pattern. So on a typical head and shoulders, um, you know, your risk really kind of is the top of this thing, is like your max risk. I didn't really want to go that high because my my aim. I'll show you guys down here. Uh, I like the line chart. Um, I know a lot of people use different things, but anytime I'm trying to find resistance levels, I always use the line chart, whether I'm looking at a daily or you know weekly, like here I'm looking over a year. Um, this is where I like to find my levels because it just kind of it just kind of weeds out all the noise, all the big wicks and all that kind of stuff that doesn't really make things as clear. So we were right in here at this level when I saw the trade. So the first thing I'm I'm looking for is like, okay, like you know, where do I want my target to be? So I'm looking down here, I'm looking at all this volume. I'm thinking, okay, my target's gonna be somewhere in here if this trade works out, right? So I start looking at my levels and I'm thinking, you know, probably somewhere in around this level here because, you know, we had the spike pop and then it came down, it kind of consolidated, you know, it's, it's minor, but it consolidated a little bit on this level before it took off again. So I'm thinking this is kind of like my end all target is, you know, this 8190s area. And then my major, target was right where was it here right up here basically in like kind of the 96 area right at the top of this spike and you can see right here 
Um, these little, you know, these little niches, if you want to call them, a lot of people don't put too much weight in these, you know, right here where you, when you get a big long run up like this, you know, a lot of people look at these big, you know, these consolidation areas like down here where I drew my target. But if you're at kind of a key level, like a breakout or a breakdown, these little niches actually become pretty important because these are, you know, I don't even know the right words to describe it. It's almost like this thing's ripping up so fast. And this is that little pullback where everybody kind of panics in quickly to buy because they're chasing, right? So that's when you get that little pullback and everybody goes, oh, quick, let's come down a little bit, you know, let's buy a whole bunch more. So this is almost kind of like a little bit of a panic buy zone is the way that I personally look at it. Um, I know a lot of people use these in different regards, but that's kind of the way I've always viewed them. And they've, they've been pretty important. Um, you can see here, even if we draw one right at say, you know, 99.80 on that second one there, you know, look at where it came down over here, right? It, it came down off this big high and bounced right off that tiny little niche, right? So these actually hold a little bit more weight than people think they do, especially if you're looking at high volume down here. Um, so that wasn't the one I was looking for for the actual breakdown because again, I got in over here. So, so I got in around uh, 150 is where I started sizing in and my risk was going to be 105. That was, that was kind of my cutoff point. So I want to keep it pretty tight on that. Um, the reason I picked 105 is just because, you know, I just, I saw a couple bases in here. There's another little niche on the, on the side here on this uptrend. So I drew my line at 105. right around these kind of areas over here again, um, you know, a little niche there, a little niche there. So that, that was kind of what I was looking for as far as, as far as a exit point. And that was, it was in around that area, you know, it wasn't, if it was 105 and one cent, I wasn't going to cut it. I just wanted to see how that area played out. Um, if it was strong through that, I was going to cut it because with the size I had, I wasn't willing to let it go up to, to 125 and get past that. Um, the other reason that I kept my stop so tight is because we'd already had this big pullback. You know, we had a bounce, we had another bounce, and then we had a higher bounce, and then it came back down further. So I know anybody who bought above here is kind of underwater as well. Um, so, you know, really, anytime you're short selling, you just want to look at previously, you know, if you look left, you want to see was there, you know, was there any breakouts that kind of failed, right? That's just going to add more weight to your place. So we have the classic head and shoulders. And then on a smaller scale here, you know, we had this little breakout over the original shoulder, and then it failed again pretty hard. So... If you look at the volume down here, you know, that failure was on higher volume than previously, right? So those are all kind of the things you want to look at is you want to look for people that are trapped. You want to look for, you know, failed breakouts, broken support, all that kind of stuff is really good when you're short selling. Um, again, this is just using my knowledge on the shorter time frames because I haven't, I haven't swung anything short before. This is my first shot at it and it, it happened to work out for me pretty well. So if we go into the, let's go to the daily candles here to get a bit of a closer look at this. So I entered, I think it was on, I traded this on one of my other accounts, so I can't see my entries and exits here, but I got in at 101.50, I think was where I started. And I think it was on this day here, this green day here. So I got in here, like I was risking just over 105. You know, I put about half size on uh, just to see what would happen. I let it come up. Uh, the one day it touched, uh, what's our high here? Yeah, if you look at the high, you know, if you look down here, the screen, I put my line over that. The high was 105 exactly. So I actually added some more up there. I think I got in at 104.90 something. Uh, I just had a small extra add up there to see what was going to happen. Um, and then that ended up being the top. So my risk level worked out pretty well. Came down here. And then what actually happened, my 96.85 level was the level I was looking to break. So on this day here, we came down, you know, we came down to 92.66. I actually covered some at 94. 
I want to take a little bit off just onto that, onto that first wash down because I always like to pay myself a bit, you know, like, again, I had this point, I had, I think 103 or so average. So, you know, I'm up, I'm up almost 10 bucks a share on that. So I'm pretty happy with that already. Took half of it off. The earnings were on Thursday, which is this green day here. Um, I remember David, I was talking to you and Brendan in the group there. Cause I was unsure, you know, I'm like, I'm like, should I hold through the earnings or should I cut it all before? And like, you know, we kind of talked a bit and, Right. As we all know, earnings, earnings are always kind of a crapshoot. So I figured, you know what, I'm, I'm going to take it all off before, like no matter what it does on Wednesday, I'm taking it all off. So, you know, I had my, I had my level set down here at 81.91. And I basically, what I did is I took off half of it. Well, I should say my other, uh, you know, I'd already taken off half. So I took off another quarter at 86 around here. I think that was another resistance level I had. Let's see if we go back to the line chart here. Um, where is it? I know I saw some resistance there at 86 when I was in here. Yeah, there's another bit of a line there at 90. But anyways, I took some off at 86, and then I took the rest of it off on my 81.91 line, which ended up being almost the bottom. So that worked out really well. I'll just show you guys the intraday here. Yeah, yeah I was so just going to say, uh, the viewers might, might like to know, like <clears throat> that day when it went up to 105, some yeah. people might think like, oh, why? Like, why didn't you sell? Like, why didn't you sell versus, uh, and you sized in more? And, like, that candle, like, I don't know what the intraday looks like, but that candle tells me it, it's probably gapped up during the day and just sold off throughout the rest of the day, right? Yeah, exactly. I'll see if I can find it here. Because um, how yeah. those things form is, is, is really important, too. Yeah, here it is, right here. Right. right. So, yeah, so, yeah, if you look, like, if you look at this, this is a 10 minute candles here. So, you know, we have really big volume in the morning. And we basically went straight up from like, you know, one, like $101, like right up to 105. So like, you know, you see a big move like that. I'm like, okay, this thing, you know, it's, it gets exhausted, right? Like the buying pressure can only last so long when you're pushing up that hard. So yeah. I, I added a little bit more and then I just, you know, I just kind of let it do its thing, let it play out. Just kind of went sideways for a bit. Um, you know, we had this pretty decent pullback day here and then where are we now let's go back to the three minute candles i know sam was asking us earlier like um when we go into swings what kind of confirmations do we look for i know i look at the uh the volume a lot like that day when it when it spiked up it spiked up on uh, declining volume so that's how you know it's kind of a bullshit yes. exactly so th this was the day here that i actually so as you can you know if you look intraday here that 96.85 line i drew this was the day before i covered my first half so you can see you know we were up here close to 100 it bounced off the line pretty pretty cleanly and then it came off it again kind of consolidated over it and then it broke down under that line so now that we've broken down under this line i'm feeling pretty good but if you look on the daily chart we didn't have any significant volume right so right now we're, we're at a weak breakdown like the, no, nobody's panicking yet it's just you know it's just falling below support so i'm i'm like okay you know everything's looking good but you know i'm still kind of skeptical and then so what i did this day just to take a little bit off i actually covered some around here i think at 94 that's where I took half of it off and we opened, you know, we had a quick snap down and then it went straight back up. And then we have this double top right again at the same 96.85 level. You know, th this is a, this is a level that I've drawn off the daily chart from, you know, months ago. Right. So it just it's kind of interesting how it works so well, even in the three minute time frame. And then this this was the big day here. So, you know, obviously I can complain that I didn't hold my whole position for this, but I mean, hindsight's, you know, hindsight's hindsight. Right. So. <laughs> Basically what happened is we opened above this line and, you know, key thing here is look at the volume. 
So 9.30, we are right here, you know, really low volume. We're just kind of bouncing over this line and then right there. So this is, this is 9.51 now. This first big candle there, 9.54, look at the volume. You know, it's five times what it has been in the morning. And that's the, that's the big push right below. So, so if you're looking at this intraday and you see that candle, that's your confirmation. So Sam, I know we were talking about this before the, before the podcast, you know, I don't want to see any wicks on this. I don't want to see low volume. I want to see a big fat candle that, you know, opens at the top of the candle and closes at the bottom of the candle. That's when I know it's game over, right? So as soon as I see that, I can just relax and just let this thing bleed down. And look at that 8191 line that was, you know, drawn from what last October, whatever it was. You know, we, we touched it on one three minute candle, wicked through it by, you know, 30 cents. Like it, it's, it's clear as day. That's why I like the line chart. The line chart gives you really, really clean levels to work off of. And then like, you know, look at that. It just bounced off it perfectly all day. And then earnings, to be honest, I didn't even look at the earnings. So I don't know what they said because I never <laughs> trade at this point. I don't care. <laughs> so if you're going to ask me what the earnings were, I couldn't tell you. Because that's, you know, as soon as I'm out of it, I don't care. Um, I love that yeah, you're like the complete opposite. You know, kind of like... a little bit of weight. <laughs> Yeah, I actually heard a really good quote the other day. It was from Mike Bellafari in um, uh, One Good Trade, a book I'm reading right now. Uh, it's about like prop firm traders and stuff like that. And he said at one point he said in it, he was talking about one of his traders who, who wouldn't cut his losses. Like he would always say, okay, yeah, this is my exit point. And then uh, when it goes below it, I'll be out. And he could see all, all the trades on his monitor. So he would say, hey, you know, how, how come you're still in this trade? Isn't it past your exit? And he says, yeah, yeah, you know, I should have cut it. I'm sorry, I should have cut it. And then he would just hold it and hold it and it would go down or whatever. And then long story short, they ended up letting the guy go. And uh, Mike, Mike says in the, in the book, he goes, he goes, for anyone that's interested, the stock never did come back because he was convinced it was just going to rebound, right? He's like, so for anyone that's interested, it didn't come back. And he's like, for anyone who's not interested, congratulations. Now you're thinking like a trader. <laughs> I thought that was so good. I was like, so in other words, once you're out of the trade, don't worry about it. You're out of the trade, move on, right? Yeah, so I, I remember, I don't know if it was, um, it was on chat, chat with Traders. I don't know if I found it, it was one of the ones you sent me, but the guy was like saying how um, it was part of, partly about how to get over like a bad set of trades or whatever. And he's like, um, your, your next trade's your next trade. Like it has nothing to do with anything that happened before. You have to separate the two. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, like in, uh, again, in this book, like it's called One Good Trade. And that's one of the things he keeps emphasizing. He's like, how do we make money? We do one good trade and then we do one good trade and then we do one good trade. You know, that's all you do is that's it's just one thing at a time. And one of the um, one of the other guys that I, I follow on Twitter, actually, he's a he's a you know, he's a day trader. He only, he only really does long trades. And um, he tweeted the other day about like a little blurb about his morning little report, because a lot of like, you know, I do it, too. But like a lot of guys have a little report they'll read and it's like every morning they read this like you know what are my rules you know mm. what do i stick to just kind of like remind yourself every day right so like his thing was like you know he treats it like a boxing match he's like we have three rounds he's like round one is you know 9 30 to 11 o'clock round two is 11 o'clock to one o'clock round three is one o'clock to four to uh four o'clock and he's like and underneath each one he says you know what if what if you lose money in round one you know, it doesn't matter. There's still two more rounds. He's like, what if nothing happens in round two? Don't worry about it. You know, go to the gym, go get lunch, come back for round three, refreshed and ready to go. What if nothing happens in round three? 
don't worry, there's always tomorrow. Like you can live to fight another day. Like, it's just like, he has it all written out kind of like a boxing analogy, but that's the way that he, he reads it every day. That's the way he goes about his trades is he's like, you know, it's just rounds. It's just one round after the other. So you can't, if you lose money in the morning, forget about it. Like how, how do I trade between 11 o'clock and one o'clock? Right. Like, that's what I need to think about. Not what happened in the morning. Yeah. I think that's like, I, I know I, I'm still struggling with that. Like I can't look past the trade or I can't look past today. But mm -hmm. but I'm starting to realize it's like it's super important to know that you can always you know there's always another trade there's always tomorrow, right? Yeah. There's always next year. So like don't let don't don't let like what's going on right now like mess with you too much because like it's short term yeah. thinking that really screws you up. It's trading and investing too. Yeah, exactly. And it's really hard when you see that big fat red number staring <laughs> right in the face. You're trying to make your money back, right? <laughs> yeah, like what, what's what's it called revenge trading? Like you never want to get to that. It's like when guys play poker down full full tilt, one bad beat, and it's like fuck it, like, just let's keep going. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, you always have your, you always kind of have your max loss, but you don't want to, you don't want to try and make it back, right? Like, I mean, the reality is when you're trading, like nobody is profitable 100 percent of the time, right? Like, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the really good guys, you know, they only lose money, like they only have a, a red day maybe once a month or something like that, but they're probably losing money on a trade almost every single day. Right. Like if you look at a lot of the, a lot of guys charts that do this professionally, they'll have, you know, they make six or seven trades in a day. I guarantee you probably almost 95% of the time, at least one of those trades is red. Right. Right. I, I, it's a good thing you mentioned that prop firm. Cause I remember I was watching something about that. It was a, a specific prop firm in the UK and they're like, but I think all of them do it. There's like, our, our traders have like a max loss with max daily loss. If you hit that, I don't yeah. give a fuck. If it's 9 AM or 9 31, you've lost in the first minute you're out. Like just go yeah. chill out. Yeah. Yeah, you have to. You can actually set that through your broker too. Like, if you are doing trade, like, like big, like intraday trades or something like that, like you can you can set an intraday max loss of your broker. So, like, you know, let's say you want to be a thousand bucks or something like that. If you're like underwater in the trade and it's going against you, it's going against you. Like, as soon as your dollar value gets to a thousand bucks, your your broker will just cut it for you, and you they won't let you place any more trades until tomorrow. That's it's that's important, man. Because I've as recently as mid March or early March, I think I've re I've revenge traded. It was that it was that fucking that period where I did like three bad trades and I gave back like a month's worth of profit. I yeah. was still trading Bitcoin futures and I had that one revenge trade day I mentioned before where it's like I managed to get lucky. I literally just got a lucky bet, uh, put 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 a lucky trade down. Got like got my money back for the day and I was like and I walked away. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I know it's tough. You can't like it's that's why trading is so difficult. It's like you know you're trying to. It's just human nature, right? Like, you know, you feel like you've been robbed, but like, you got to respect the marketer. It's going to take money. <laughs> That's the ceiling. Yeah. You know, you can't fight it. It doesn't care. It doesn't care. 100%. Anything, right? 100%. I got, um. so I had a message uh, earlier in the week about somebody there. Actually, it's a common question, but uh, he, I specifically told this guy that we can talk, touch on it on the podcast, but it's basically like, if someone's getting into the market now, whether it's investing or trading, what kind of um, advice we, we would give them or what kind of resources we would would show them. Do you have anything from like a trader's perspective? Somebody's getting into the market right now. Yeah, if they're trying to get into, if they want to get into trading right now, day trading. I would say the first thing you want to do is basically just try a little bit of everything and paper trade. You know, like get just get used to drawing lines, like get used to drawing resistance and support lines. Um, when you're first starting out, I mean, you know, it's easy for me to say, like, you know look for good long setups or look for good shorts. You don't know what that is when you first start, right? Like I didn't know what that was. I, I started trading off news articles. I, I didn't, when I first started trading, I didn't even know that there was such thing as real time charts. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe too. 
Me too. Yeah, I just Googled so, them. You know, so like if I'm going if I'm going back to that point, I would basically just say, you know, find a good broker that offers low commissions for whatever you're trying to do, whether you're trying to hold long or do short-term trades or do a lot of frequency. Um, first off, find a good broker for that. Next thing you're going to want to do is figure out, you know, when is a good time to trade for you? Like, are you, you know, just on your own personal level? Like, are you really alert in the mornings? Like, are you not available to trade during the day? Do you have to swing trade? Do you have to set orders at night and, you know, just let them play out through the day? Um, you know, just kind of look at your life schedule and figure out what sort of setup is going to work for you. Um, once you do that, I would say, okay, now, you know, play around a little bit with paper trading, like try some high volatility setups, you know, like the, the small cap stuff that are moving like crazy, you know, try those. If they stress you right the hell out, then maybe you don't want to play those, <laughs> you know, like look at large cap stocks, um, you know, like large caps are, are kind of like a safety net sort of thing. Like I know, I know some guys that they, they trade, uh, they trade large cap stocks predominantly on the long side and they'll do shorter term stuff, but if they get underwater, they'll just hold it for like a couple months if they have to. Cause you know, like they'll be playing, like say they're playing the S and P, right? Like, you know, they might take a big position. Maybe they're down way more than they want to be down, but it's like, okay, it's the S and P. Like I'll just like, it sucks, but I'm just going to hold this position for three months if I have to until the S and P comes back up and then I'll be okay. Again, right. So, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of different ways to look at it, but really you just want to figure out, you know, you can't, you can't know any of that until you start playing around. So I would say just paper trade, um, you know, find a good broker that's, that's going to cater to you and figure out kind of what time frame you're looking for. And then just focus on those time frames. Like, you know, take a look at earnings, news reports, like a lot of guys just trade earnings. Um, there, there's really not really any specific advice I can give someone as for what to trade because there's so many different ways to trade. You know, you just have to fumble around for the first little while until you kind of, until something grabs your attention. I, I guess, yeah, I guess that's the best way to put it is it has to be something you enjoy, right? Like, like I don't enjoy, you know, really trading small caps. Like I, I swing trade, I invest, um, you know, it's not super thrilling, you know, I'm not in love with it. I just do it because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a branch of what I, what I, what I do on my shorter term stuff, but, uh, it's gotta be something that you're really in love with. Like you gotta, you gotta want to come home. Like if you're working full time, like I am, you know, I come home from work and I look forward to getting in front of my computer for two, three hours every night and looking at this, looking at the market, looking at the charts, like seeing what happened, you know, it's like, I, I love it. I love the style that I trade. So that's, that's the biggest thing is you're not going to put work into this unless you love what you're doing and you got to just fumble around in the markets until you can figure out what you love about it. Uh, for, for, for those that don't know, brokers, brokerages are like interactive brokers. Robin Hood's considered one, I guess. Um, which ones do you recommend, though? Because I, I, I've made an interactive brokers thing before. I, I didn't trade on it, but I remember I liked the UI and everything. Yeah. So I use interactive brokers for all my shorter term stuff because I do, like, I make a lot of orders. Like, I'm sizing in, I'm sizing out. Um, and they have the cheapest commissions. Like, they're like a penny in and out. And I think their max is like like five or ten bucks or something a trade if you're doing like a thousand shares or whatever. Um, so they're really cheap. They're really cheap. So I use them for like my shorter term stuff. Um, my longer term swing trades and investing, I use Quest Trade because they. I don't need real time data for them, so I don't pay mm. for it. And I, uh, they're only they're five bucks in and out. So you know it's it's more expensive on commissions up front. But you know if I'm holding a position for a week or two weeks or a year, like it doesn't matter. And there's no inactivity fee. So like I can, like interactive brokers, they charge you I think twenty five bucks a month or something regardless unless you make that up in commissions. 
But um, Quest Trade is like, I can just buy a bunch of stock and not touch the account for two years. It charge me a penny. Yeah, so I think that's important for people to know to like figure out what brokerage has those features that caters to you. Because um, I, I, I do most of my trades on TD. We get, we get hosed like 10 bucks a trade. Yeah. But like, but like uh, my, all my accounts are set up there. I'm, I'm too lazy to do anything else. Like, and the thing is, and the thing is, actually, I just got the email from Interactive Brokers to close my account because they're like saying, like, you know, there's an there's an activity fee or whatever it was, right? And I was like, I'm not paying that, like, shit. So I just closed the account. Yeah, yeah. I know that's the other thing too. Like, you get stubborn too. You start using something for a while, you don't want to change. Like, yeah, because like I, I use TradingView, right? So all my charts, all my drawings from like four years ago are still there. Like, I can't just switch, you know? Like, it's yeah. I kind of trap myself. Yeah. The one thing I would say though is don't use Wealthsimple or Robinhood because <laughs> they're just you know they're they're free brokers, but like they're just they're so garbage. Like you know you're gonna get terrible customer support. Your order entries are gonna be awful. Like the order flow is gonna be terrible. They don't even let you trade half the stocks out there. Like yeah, they can. It's it's just there's there's uh, you know I don't, I don't want to sit here and be be Mr. Negative, but I you know, just. <laughs> You get what you pay for. Like, if you're going to pay for, you know, you're putting a lot of money into the stock market, like, spend the extra, you know, 20 bucks a month to get a good broker that you know you can trust with your money. Like, it is it is basically a bank account, right? Like, would you, yeah. would, you give your, would you give your money to, you know, like a free little, guard, you know, hey, give me your money. I'll, I'm free. You know, would you give your money to that guy to hold your, like, as a bank? Probably not. I got to give a warning about Wallsimple because I remember I make an account before just to kind of check it out because I saw their ads and I thought this might be a good platform to trade on. It's the worst, at least for what we do, because like like you said, they actually are, are one of the companies that um, cap or not cap, but like they filter what kind of stocks you can invest in. Like you can invest in Tesla, but you can't do XPAN, even though both are listed on the, on the same exchanges. Right. And like, yeah. especially for crypto, they won't even let you withdraw your crypto. They are forever holding it in custody for you. So. Uh, you don't so if you buy bitcoin is it even your bitcoin you can you can never remove it it's yeah. just it's like for, so i think for them it's like pretty good for somebody that wants to not really trade but wants a really simple easy way to like invest maybe drop a few hundred dollars in the stock you know you got a cool little app you can check up on your little investments but for any yeah. if you want to do any kind of advanced features or trading or anything like that well simple i can like you gotta avoid that thing yeah, I would say like if you have over a thousand bucks that you're gonna put in the market. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The worst is having that thousand dollars to do something in it, and you're and you can't do it, right? And then yeah. when you with, with sure. the yeah. two, don't they? I have no idea. Like my my buddy was telling me that his brother has wealth simple, and it's like like he said to buy the stock was free, but then when he went to sell it, they cut they charge him like ten bucks or something. I don't know if that's uh, true, but. If it is, I it's hilarious. I can see them doing that. That's like a bait and switch. It's so bad. Yeah. Have you seen all the ads for them too? Like, well, simple. Yeah. I get them all the time. Like, I've seen a lot of them on YouTube, and I find them offensive, actually. Oh, like, man. Have like, you seen the one where there's like this girl, and she's like, investing as a millennial be like, what is a stock? <laughs> I'm just like, oh, no. Really? <laughs> yeah. You haven't seen that one? No. I oh, saw this dude. one where there's like, there's a dude, he's like a young millennial dude, but he's pretty condescending. He's on there trying to explain like what the market is. And I'm like, you're like half right in all this. Like he's just oversimplifying everything. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I find it so offensive. I know my buddy, I, I had a good point though. Cause like, I was talking to my buddy about that the other day and 
he's like, oh, like he was just complaining about all the well simple advertisements too. He's like, oh my god, like these people have no idea what they're getting into. And I was like, I was like, okay, to play devil's advocate here, like, granted, you know, like when I first started trading, I opened up a Quest Trade account. I had no idea what I was doing. So like, you know, there's 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 not really any difference there apart from like where you can put your money or putting way too much into stocks that are way too volatile. It's just like just the whole. Uh, just the whole aura around it is just so, it's just so painful. <laughs> it's gotten bad, man. I think everybody just, well, these companies just want easy money, right? They don't, I don't even, just trying, to, exactly. just trying to attract like dumb money and get some fees and whatever. But yeah. Um, right. But yeah, um, like, what's that? Sorry. Oh, I was just going to no. see if we can start here. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, before you go into that, I just wanted to talk quickly sure. about the investing side, just the same thing, like if you want to get into Because the question was like, uh, you know, is it a good time to get into uh, Tesla? It's like, I mean, that's a, I, no, nobody could really answer that question. Like, I didn't really answer it either. I'm like, well, if I knew that, you know, I'd be a millionaire, right? Because like yeah. Tesla, Tesla's high was like 880 or something like that. So I think it's closed at 660 the other day. But it's still like eight times what it was like about a year ago. Like I, I can never recommend buying a stock when it's near that, which is pretty close to all time highs, right? But at the same mm -hmm. time, this thing can run. So I'm like saying, so like just uh, dollar cost average, just, uh, just DCA. Like if you really want to own this thing and this is not, and, you, and here's the thing, actually, you shouldn't invest. I don't think you should invest money that they're not willing to just leave there for like three to five years or even longer, right? If you, if you see yourself pulling that money out, then I, I wouldn't call that investing money, mm -hmm. right? Because a lot of times you have, you don't know what the time frame is. You could be right about the performance of a stock. You could be right about the price, but wrong about the time because not many people consider the time factor, right? Yeah. So like if you need to pull the money out, that's going to cost you. Yeah, that's exactly how I went about all my investments. Like I got, I got money in a handful of different things now. And like, I've, I've put a certain amount of dollars away that I know, like I'm totally comfortable not touching in at least five years. Like I'm like, I know hundred percent, I don't need this money for at least five years. And then I have other ones that I've bought that they're like a year long play. So I set tighter stops and I'm like, you know, this is money that I want to take out next year for, you know, X purchase or whatever I'm planning on doing. So, but I, I base that on the trade, you know, like I look at the trade and I'm like, yeah, I think this is a good company this year kind of thing. And if it goes down to here, I'm out because I don't want to lose more than that. And I need at least this much money to do what I want to do next year with this. Right. 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 That makes it, that's a good point. I, I think mm -hmm. I could recommend, I, I would recommend people that if they're, if you're serious about investing, open up a self-directed RSP, like your bank will, will offer that kind of account. Right. And because it's RSP, it's got two benefits. One at the, at the end of the year, you contribute to that. You can, you could um, report that against your income, get some, you know, save some tax dollars there. And then two, because it is an RSP, it's basically locked there until you're 65. So it forces you to do some long-term thinking and long-term decision-making, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then like, and then the, the TSFA opened last year just because I, I wanted to do what you wanted to do. I wanted an account where I could trade. I don't necessarily have a time frame for the profit, but it's more like account for like big, big purchases. If I ever need it, like car repair or whatever it might be. I'll trade yeah. in that account. If I need to take some big chunk of money out, that'll be what it's for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I have, I have mine set up in a bunch of different ways. Like my, my short-term trading account is all cash, like basically all the time. And then I have, you know, my, my quest trade account is kind of like split into three portions. I guess you could say like I have cash in it and then I have my shorter term swing trades. I have my, you know, like year ish long investments. And then I have my, you know, basically five year plus call them retirement investments. Right. You know, I just noticed something. I think maybe we do it. 
I don't know if we do it out of our personalities or, or, or it's just something that traders could traders investors do, but we compartmentalize. Like you said, you just said you have accounts for certain specific things. And then I do too. Like mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't mix my crypto with my equities at all. I don't even think of them as the same thing. It's not my one investment portfolio. One is one, the other is the other. If I'm losing money in my crypto, I'm not taking money out of equities to go save that shit. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like everything's separate. Yeah, no, I'm the exact same way. And then in my actual bank account, I have like literally nothing. Like <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I have enough to like buy my food for the week and that's it. Like yeah. I, I hold a lot of cash in my, in my trading accounts, but like yeah. I don't, I don't have any cash. Cause like, I don't know, like I want to, I want to look at my phone and feel like I'm broke because then I'm going to work. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like so when that. I look at my bank and I'm paying my bills and paying for my food and my mortgage and stuff. I'm always like, oh man, I have no money. <laughs> But it makes yeah. me work harder. It makes me smarter with it. Yeah, I'm starting to think that's a good way to go about it. Like keep less cash at just like a regular some kind of savings account. Keep it in a TSFA or some kind of trading account because you get the point. Because like if you see an opportunity in the market, you can't wait for a wire to like show up three days later. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, right? You, like everybody says, oh, buy low. Like yeah, low's happening right now. Like go load your account. Go ahead. Like yeah, you can't you can't yeah. take advantage of that. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, I don't know. It, it depends on the personality, right? Like for me, like I've never been one of those guys that's like, you know, frivolous spending, buying clothes and watches and all that kind of stuff consistently. I'm the kind of guy where like I aggressively save money for a period of time and then I'll like, you know, I go to the cottage and I'm looking around like, oh, that's a nice boat. I'm going to buy that boat and then I'll go over and buy it like right then. <laughs> you know, so like I just make these big obnoxious purchases, but I don't, I don't like, I don't throw little bits of money away all the time. I think that might be good for, for discipline. I guess we're already doing it, but maybe we could use that as a recommendation, like just to compartmentalize and like like take inventory of all your 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 cash flow, your your profit and your your income and your savings and then divide it all up and then just make sure you, you're not crossing those lines anymore. You need to it's because trading and investing, it's all discipline, right? At the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So it's like you really have to exercise that stuff in, in every aspect. Yeah, it's, it's even just like a little bit of a safety net too, right? Like then, you know, you have a little bit of money split between a handful of brokers. You have a little bit of money split, you know, like I have three different bank accounts. I have two different brokers. Like, I, you know, I have, I have money in so many different areas that like, God forbid, you know, one of the banks went out of business or something yeah. like that. I'm still okay, right? That's a really good point. I, I actually learned that from crypto from 2017. I, uh, I, I, had, uh, I had crypto on some uh, two exchanges that closed down. Under, mm. myster under mysterious circumstances and a lot of yeah and screwed, right so <laughs> screwed yeah you know, so you know, all your money in that like yeah yeah so like even as as uh, as recent as uh, last week i realized i had too much shit on binance so then i started shifting i made the account on ftx and i started just separating my stuff like any 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 account that seems to have too much money like i'll start to you know separate yeah. it out a little bit it stresses me out like one yeah. place it's like one point of failure yeah, I'm the exact same way, man. As soon as I get too much money in something, I start putting it somewhere else. <laughs> like, and going back to what you were saying earlier about where we're like dividing accounts, I don't know if you're you would agree with this, but I think you are. It's like when when the reason I also don't like keep a lot of money available for spending is because when I now spend money, I think about it like, well, what if I invested this dollar? <laughs> what, what if I just tie it up for exactly. three years? <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. Dude, I'm 100% the exact same way. Like, I, I go to, like, Harvey's or something for lunch, and I buy a $14 hamburger, and I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm like, I, just, I feel like I'm just burning this. I'm like, I, I can turn this $14 into $15. Like, 
for it. Like, you know, you could turn it into like a steak dinner in like a few months, you know what I mean? Like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I think about everything like that now. It's so bad. It's awesome. It's awesome. Do you want to show the guys the leads? Okay. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. The leads. What, what, which one's this one? So here, I'll show you the daily here first. Um, I, I don't know anything about this company. This is just, you know, one of my small cap junkies. <laughs> it never here. gets old when you say that. Like, <laughs> you're like, I mean, this company, <laughs> I don't know shit about them. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly don't even know the name of them. I don't know what they do. So don't ask me. <laughs> Regardless. So um, I was looking. So the, the way that I trade, um, like if I'm doing like a short term trade or something like that, obviously, like, you know, you guys know that I work full time. So. Like when I'm doing when I'm doing a lot of my trades in the morning and stuff, I get up at 4 a.m. every morning and um, I look at the charts because I'll make my watches the night before. And like the way that I do it basically is I'll set out, I call them like fishing orders or, you know, some people call them fantasy orders or whatever. Basically, you just set out, um, you know, a, a short, like a short entry, um, a stop loss, and you can set a couple of cover targets like before the market, you know, at four in the morning. Right. So that's that's what I do. And then that way I don't have to watch it or anything when I'm at work. I just get my handful. And then I'm looking for that, you know, half hour, 45 minute in the morning. So I'll just have them, I'll just have them all cancel at a certain period of time if they haven't executed. Um, it's basically the way that I do a lot of this. And then obviously, you know, if I have a day off or I'm at home, I'm actively trading. But um, so for the reason I wanted to show this one is because I just wanted to emphasize again the critical importance of having stop losses, especially on the short side. So this is a spec, like I'm, I'm I'm most proud of this trade, like more so than I have in in months, and it was a loss. And the reason this, why is because was this this one you showed us the other day, uh, just yeah. recently? This yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I honestly, like I went home, like I, I still made money on this day because I profited on a couple other trades. But like this this is one of those things where you know you always hear guys like, oh, you know, if you're not careful, you don't see your stop losses. Like you could be making money for five years and then lose it all in one trade, kind of thing. And you're like, oh yeah, sure, whatever. Like. This is one of those times. So this is why I wanted to show this to you. So basically we had this day here, you know, we had a big green day, big wick. So, you know, stock looks kind of dead or whatever. And then we have this kind of smaller green day. So I was looking to short it here on this, you know, on this big fat green day right here. So that was where I was trying to short. So we'll go into like, as it, you know, as I always do, I go to the line chart. Um, so let's go back here. Okay. Yeah. So, so this was our first green day, right? So, you know, we're, we're basically right to work, right near close, you know, we're 1452 on the clock at the bottom there. Um, that's when we got our first big, you know, big monster spike up, right? Um, came back down second day. I think I actually shorted some into this bottom here, like just over six and covered down. So I made a little bit of money on the second day. And then third day, what I was looking for is um, on these ones here, um, what I like to look for, for me personally, I like, I like these bottoms. Like I like it when I see on the line chart, when I see like a really strong push and then that first little pullback or this, or this one here where it kind of dribbles down. So like on this one, for example, like I like 677 and I like 618. Like those are the, those are the two lines I would draw, right? Like I'd look for that and I'd look for that. Like those would be my two levels. So I'd probably put an order here, an order here, and I cut it like just over top. That's like, this is, this is my favorite favorite thing to see on any kind of these stocks. So um, I'll just take these lines off. So we got it again here on the second day, right? Like we had this push up and then we kind of had like, you know, this, this base here, right? So we had kind of, you know, we had sort of five, 561 and we had 583, right? So those are, those are two pretty, pretty nice levels for me. 
And then you can see throughout the day, you know, we kind of came up here. Uh, you can't see it on the line chart, but this kind of wicked into 561. And today again, we kind of double topped here at 561. Um, and then down here at the bottom, you know, we're right around, you know, say four, 470s area. You know, we got this big, this big area of support right here, right? So essentially, you know, I woke up in the morning as I do. I'm looking at the day before and I'm thinking, okay. I look a couple of days ago, like this thing can move, right? Like this thing went from, from $4 up to $7 in, what is that? Uh, 45 minutes or so, right? So that's, so I know it can move, you know, it's a small cap stock. So obviously, you know, we need to be careful on those ones. You don't want to get underwater. So I'm looking at this, this is kind of the day that I'm focusing on right here. So I went into the morning and I'm thinking, okay, you know, I want to short this. Basically, I want to short this into, you know, the 560s area. So I put one order just over the 560s and I was going to cut it just over this 580s area because I, I didn't think, you know, with with these three tops here um, in the if I zoom in a little bit too on the line pattern, you can kind of see a head and shoulders here, right? You come up, there's the first shoulder, here's your top, down here's your second shoulder, right? So I'm kind of combining like, you know, we got a head and shoulders in here. It's kind of topping at 560. We have basically, you know, four times it's hit this line. It hasn't broken through. So, you know, I'm, I'm combining all these together. I'm thinking, okay, this is a pretty good area. So I'm going to put a short order up here. Um, the cover targets were basically going to be like around 510 at this base. And then, you know, ideally 470 for the second half. So I was going to try and cover some here, some down here. Um, I wasn't going to try and, you know, anticipate a break of this big 470 area. Uh, Cause that's just, you know, that's a lot of support. I don't, you know, I just, I just look for the quick move and that's it. So what happened here, I'll show my trade for the last five days. So it pops up, let's go to the three minute chart, go back, all right. Yeah, people are curious, this is the interactive brokers. Um, uh, this, is the, this is the application you can download, right? The workstation? Yeah, yeah, this is interactive brokers here. So this, this is like, this is what I trade off of. This is what their, their interface looks like. Um, so yeah, so this was that first day again, you know, I had the big spike at the end of the day. This was the second day. So, you know, yeah, again, as you can see, you know, it's, it's like the head and shoulders and stuff. It's kind of tough to see like that 583 line. You almost can't even really see it on the line chart or on the candle chart. So that's why I like to use the line chart. Um, but yeah, 561 was the area of interest. So I put my, like, as I always do, I put my short, I put my stop and then I had my cover orders in. Right. So let's see what happened. So you go over to the next morning. Up. So here's pre-market, you know, we have like really no volume. So that's kind of an indicator that's probably good. You know, it's up near this area, but there's no volume. So a lot of the times when that happens, you're at the top of the level, they'll just tank right out of the open. But what ended up happening was this. So <laughs> this literally happened within probably a half a second. I mean, it, it literally just went 530. It went straight up to 650 and halted. So these are my orders right here. So I got short at 565 and I don't know if you guys can see that, but there's, I think there's actually three orders that it covered. So I, I entered in one shot and my stop order, which was also one shot, it took three really quick orders to exit. That's how quick this thing is moving. So, you know, we had this massive bar, this is on the three minute candles, but I wasn't, you know, I, I just had this pop up. It was just like, you know, basically short cover. Like I had two notifications just ping up instantaneously. So, that's why I always say, you know, you got to use hard stops because even if I was, you know, even if I was involved in this and I was sitting there and I was staring at this, I, there's no way I could have reacted fast enough. Like, you know, this, this was my max loss right here, like 20 cents. That was all I was willing to lose on this. 
and I was trying to make, you know, 50, 60 cents. So I took my max loss 20 cents. And if I had a, if I had have been playing this even manually and let it go up to here, I mean, that would have been, that would have been more losses than I'm willing to take in a week, let alone in a single trade. Right. Yeah, it's like within a span of like, within a three minute candle span, you're down like 18% if you didn't stop at it. Yeah, exactly. And then it halted, right? So obviously after a halt on this kind of volume now, everybody's watching this thing. So I don't even care at this point. Like I'm out, right? Like my, my thesis is invalid. I lost. So that's it. Game over. And then, you know, let's, let's see what happened here. Look at that. Oh, so, so here down here is my shorts and covers, you know, the, 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 can't, the little symbols here overlap each other. <laughs> And this went from, you know, my 20 cent loss, it went straight up to 13 bucks, 13, 13.45, it looks like at the top. So this, 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 this ties in really nicely with that story you're saying you were reading in the book, like, had this been that prop trader who kept his position, like, yeah. this is how much worse it can get and how quick it can get, quickly yeah. can get, it can so, get that bad. So let's just imagine <laughs> for a second, you know, I, I shorted here and then shot up here and it halted and I'm going shit you know i'm way underwater i'm way more underwater than i want it to be i'm all angry i'm frustrated so i'm gonna say okay well you know i know this thing's a piece of crap because it is so let's short more up here at 680 right so i add even more size up here keep in mind i'm already i'm already basically full size down here so i add even more more than i want to have comes down here okay you know maybe i'm like around break even maybe i don't cover and then all of a sudden boom right back up again to new highs you're going shit okay well you know, it's kind of consolidating. Let's let's put a little bit more on here. And then boom, and then it consolidates, and then boom again. Like this is the kind of thing where you end up adding five times the size that you want to, and this this would shred your whole account. Like if if I didn't take that loss, I probably would have blown half my account, even if I didn't I, add any more. Right? <laughs> I, I honestly think that's exactly what happened. Like this was like a bear trap, and all those green candles on high volume were like just short sellers getting short squeezed. That's exactly what it was, because like that, that was a good short setup. That's why I put my orders there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, it's a hell of a bear trap. Holy shit. Yeah. So, but that's the thing. I mean, you know, I, I got in here at what was it, five sixty or something like that, five sixty-five. I think I put my order on. So, you know, if I if I let this thing run against me, you're looking at like 140, 130, something like that percent loss, right? Yeah. In a matter of, you know, an hour, if that. You know, after after the first yeah, after the first hour, you're down 100, percent and then if you're still holding on, then you're down 150. <laughs> percent And like, I don't know exactly how the math works, but like, if you're like, you can only short margin accounts, right? So if you're margined, you, you won't even get to 100 percent something loss, right? Yeah. You'll, you'll, they'll, they'll they'll like stop you up before like blow up your account before that. The margin call you. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like if yeah, you would like you would blow your whole account on this move if you had too much size on it. And that's the other thing, like David, I think I can't remember if we were talking about this before on the on the podcast just today or earlier, but I was saying how you can put you can put a max stop loss like in your broker. So like if any of you guys are I think everybody should, like I mean, I have my mindset and everything, but basically like let's say, you know, let's say you don't want to lose ever more than five hundred dollars in a day, then you can put a five hundred dollar max loss actually into your broker. And what will happen is no matter what you're in, if you're in five different trades and they're all going against you, as soon as your dollar value on the day gets to negative 500, it'll automatically close all your positions and you can't trade again until tomorrow. So I think that's another thing like to go along with hard stops is everybody should have that on there because this is one of those things where like, you're, you know, if I kept adding on this, I would be so frustrated and emotional. I wouldn't be able to think straight 
And I could have been the greatest trader in the world for the past two years, but this could have just wiped me right out. And that's, you know, it's in that one moment when you just have that little lapse in judgment that your broker can just say, nah, we're going to, we're going to shut this down and let you come back tomorrow <laughs> and it'll save your life. I think, I think people might be hesitant to use that feature because they're thinking you're, it's restricting you. But I, I want people to think like that, that's your, that's your buddy at the bar trying to stop your drunk guy from junk dialing his ex-girlfriend. Like you want that, <laughs> you want that security there. Yeah. And also like it, it shouldn't, it shouldn't really be ever anything that you get to while you're trading either. Like if you're letting trades run that far against you, you're not trading right. I mean, like, you know, let's say you have a $10,000 account, like you want, you know, you put your, your max daily loss at like five or six or 700 bucks or something like that. Like that's a big chunk of your account, right? Like you, you shouldn't be letting trades go that far against you. Like, you know, if, if you have a $10,000 account, like you really don't ever want to risk more than like a hundred bucks. So you basically, you know, just, just multiply whatever, whatever that is by three or four, per, three or four times. And, you know, you have say 500 bucks, 400 bucks or whatever on a $10,000 account. And that's going to be your max daily loss. Cause if you're, if you're letting that happen or you're getting close to that and coming back on a regular basis, you're not trading. right. <laughs> the realities of trading are not what people like think when, when they, first get into it or they're thinking about getting into it because they think, oh, I'm just going to put a thousand dollars in there. I'm just going to buy low, sell high and just trade this thousand dollars into 10 grand, but you know, by the end of the year or something. Yeah. Meanwhile, guys like Peter Brent, like legendary traders, the guy's got like seven figures in his trader account and he doesn't take a position larger than like 10, 20 grand, like a seven yeah. figure account. Like he's like, no, 2%, that's it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know guys that trade like that too. Like guys that make, <laughs> like they're seven figure day traders and you know like a handful of them i know only keep fifty thousand dollars in their account and as soon as they get over fifty thousand dollars they just wire it out because like it just depends on the person but like the one guy i know that does it i think he only keeps thirty five thousand in his account he's like he's like i just i just know myself and i know that on those days where i get flustered if i have half a million dollars in my account i'll be like oh i got all the capital in the world i'll just keep adding and try and push it down and then i'll lose way more than i want to Right. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, there's, there's both sides of the coin. Like, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of of the sense where, uh, and again, like, you know, I haven't gotten to the, you know, the point where I'm making seven figures a year. So maybe when I get there, I'll have to do that sort of thing too. But I mean, the reality is everybody's different. So like you'll, you'll talk to some traders and they'll say, well, that doesn't make any sense. Like, you know, if you're, if you have a million dollars in your account, you just, you still just play it on percentages. So you only risk 1% per trade, whatever the dollar value is, it is. Like, you know, you just, you look at the percentages, you don't look at the dollar value. Whereas other guys will look at it and say, oh, well, I have all this capital. So if the, if the trade's going against me, I can, I can put in way more. Right. So maybe those are the less disciplined guys. Mm. Uh, maybe the, you know, it's just, it's just a, it's just a mentality thing. So, you know, not everybody's going to be able to do that where they can, you know, have a million dollar account and be like, oh, I'm going to, I'm, you know, I'm only going to risk $10,000 every trade, you know, to some people, like, even if you're making that kind of money, it just, it just messes with your head to the point where you can't make rational decisions. Uh, the thing about money, man, it just messes with your emotions. It just change. It'll change the smartest, most self-disciplined, rational person into like some nutcase. Like, yeah, just, like this thing with Dogecoin. Like, how many? Um, <laughs> remember, we were joking the other day. Like, how many friendships were ruined because of Dogecoin? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as a statistic you sent us, it said like. Like, what was it? It was like 70% of relationships that like where people had 80% of their money in crypto or fail. <laughs> so we're failing. I know. I know it's, it's become a religion. Like 
Oh man, I, I like I think which Doge down like twenty cents in the last hour, twenty four hours or something like that. I think it was like seventy cents. And like it's still up like significantly from I think three months ago. I think it was like five cents or whatever it was. But like, yeah, I have no doubt that there's somebody, some well, I, I, somebody had to have bought the top at seventy. So somebody's okay. underwater for sure, yeah. right? That's like yeah. this, is, this is normal. Though. Like I mean, I I know it was like you know everybody. It's like with Doge and GME and all these other like you know all this stuff that guys are, are seeing now. I think it's just it's just the the age of COVID and social media. Everybody's wow, this thing's up forty percent a day, and you know I'm like I'm sitting over here like yeah, I see five of those every day almost. Like it's not uncommon in the stock market to see something that's up and then it's down and then it's way up and then it's 200 percent, and it's down 50 like you know everybody's getting all up in arms in it and everybody just gravitates towards this one thing meanwhile around the corner there's you know 10 other stocks doing the exact same thing you know it's it's not a, it's not an outlier it's not this big great spectacular thing this this stuff happens in the stock market literally every single day of the week yeah i think that goes back to what we were saying earlier about like time frames and, and whatnot it's like this one don't I don't know what, what it is about people that start like you yeah I, I think even i'm guilty of it it's like this this one good trade is going to make me like that's what i had in mind you know it's like i'm going to do this one trade and that's it it's like no it's it's just one trade after another over years and then you yeah. get somewhere yeah that's what i always have to keep reminding myself is like i i was like that at the start too like i remember at the time i just bought my challenger and i was financing it right and it was like it was like like september or something when i started like the year i started trading and you know, I had like I had like thirty grand or whatever left on my car, and like I was just looking at these guys that were like, oh yeah, you know, three thousand bucks. I'm done at ten o'clock in the morning, and like another guy like, yeah, I made twelve thousand dollars today. Another decent day in the markets, and so I'm like, oh, this is cool. And I started looking into it, and I was just like, oh, I'm I'm gonna pay off my car by Christmas, like, no problem. Like you know, I was so confident in it, right? Like I thought for sure, I was just like, oh, I'll just I'll just trade these stocks, and I'll be making thousands of dollars every day, right? And you know, here we are four years later. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm just like, I just want to make consistent money every day. That's all I want to do. I don't want to, I have no desire to, you know, hit one trade and make a million dollars. I mean, if I see something that I love and it's absolutely perfect, sure. You know, I'll throw more money into it, but I'm not out there searching for that one, you know, biblical trade. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I like how you turned that. It's true though. It's true. <laughs> and like, we say this all the time though. It's like uh, bull markets, teach people only bad habits yeah right? your only expectation is the stock goes up or whatever goes up and then you don't know how to well you're never challenged to exercise discipline or any kind of you know any kind of those get out of those you know muddy situations right it's just all up 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 mm -hmm. yeah it'll be interesting to see because i know like like from the like you know obviously i wasn't trading back in 2001 or whatever because i was like nine years old 10 years old or whatever but like, i know Back in back in like 2000, 2001 and stuff, like from all the books I've read, that was that seems like it was kind of the last time when like everybody and their mother was talking about just stocks in general. Like you know how right now, like you know you go outside, you just hear people on the street talking about the markets or talking about day trading or Dogecoin or you know whatever the hot new thing is. Like it seems like the last time that happened was basically like 20 years ago, and then as it inevitably does, you know it just kind of dies off, and then it just goes back to those of us that are patient and work hard and consistent and, and probably another 10, 20 years, you'll get another big hype where everybody's obsessed with it. And I think, um, I forgot what article I was reading, but, um, they were saying that that the dot-com bubble that, that went up and 
the big losses that everybody took was basically what scared people out of the market for like 20 years. Yeah. Like until yeah, a new yeah. generation showed up. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is like, I, I can kind of understand it back then because, you know, we didn't have, like, we didn't have the brokers we have today. We didn't have yeah. all the social media. We didn't have like, like all this information. Like we didn't know how like small cap stuff worked. Right. So back then, like all those people that were doing that, it was like, you know, they, they'd see a, a, an article in the newspaper. Mm. And would say something and then they'd throw all their money into it and then they'd look at the newspaper the next day and it would say it's down 30 percent like it was like it was such a different time that like yeah people are like wow like if they're moving this quick like that's terrifying i'm not putting my money into these things like you're telling me i can lose like my whole savings overnight like not a chance right whereas now we can actually you know monitor it a lot better and be like heavily involved and actually know what's going on but i think that is that is a big thing and i think that's going to happen again now i think a lot of people have already gotten scared out of the markets like there's, there's been a lot of big losses oh i mean i i see almost the same thing happening this time with altcoins versus last time like dot, dot com bubble because back then the internet was new too so so the whole idea was like if the internet is this new magical thing it's going to take over the world and i'm going to invest in pets.com i don't know what it, what they do but it's on this internet thing and it's gonna it's gonna be big big yeah. right and i see the exact same thing happening with these altcoins like I don't know what Dogecoin does. I don't know what kind of blockchain, what proof of work algorithm it uses, but it's 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 a, it's a crypto. It's on blockchain. Like it's got it. It's good. It's the future. Yeah. You know, like like I, 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 there's people tweeting at us because they're shitting on us because we we talk shit about Dogecoin. We, we first of all we didn't talk shit. We're just putting some reality into it, right? Yeah, we're just telling we're telling you what it is and what it does, which is nothing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and all we said was like, yeah, it could go up, but it could go down too. Now everybody that bought the 70 cents, they're looking at us and going, well, we, we did tell you, right? Yeah. You dropped 35% in like 24 hours. Yeah, but like, that's the thing. Like, like yeah, I, like people, people ask me that kind of stuff all the time. They're like, like, oh man, like, like, oh, I'm, I'm thinking about buying this thing. Like, like Dogecoin, for example, like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about buying it. Like, what do you think? And I'm like, I wouldn't fucking put my money in that if you paid me to put my money in that <laughs> more than I was putting in because that would be a good investment <laughs> but like you know it's, it's because like it, it just it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense to me and I, I like to know where my money's going well me personally because I, I got into crypto in the, about the peak of the 2017 boom so I'm not trying to shit on them at all but I am trying to warn them and it's only because I was there I rode mm. at least seven or eight or maybe even a dozen different coins, 98% down, 98% down. Like, so I was there. So I'm not trying to shit on the coin. I'm trying to give you a fucking warning. If you're yeah. up 10, 20, 50 X, take some fucking money out. Don't wait for that hundred X. Like, yeah. You know? Yeah. That's, that's the most frustrating thing is like, I don't, I don't know what it is, but people will ask me this stuff. I'll tell them what I think. And then they'll just do the opposite anyways. And then sometimes they'll come back and they'll be like, man, you told me not to buy this. Like it's up like 50%. Like I'm already up like a thousand bucks. Like you should have bought it. Like maybe you should buy in now. And I'm like, no, man. Like I know how to make money in the markets and it's not gambling on this crap. Like that's not what I do. And then, you know, then there's the odd time where then I think it just becomes this perpetual like thing where like when you're in these bull markets, there's, there's just crap after crap after crap that's just going up. And then, you know, we're sitting over here being like, okay, guys, like you can trade these things, but the fundamentals are crap. Like this yeah. is not, <laughs> if you want to ride this thing up, if it goes up, great, take some money. But like, you know, then they just, they just keep putting more. Cause I've seen guys do it where it's like, they start with a few thousand bucks and they have 5,000 bucks and they have 10,000 bucks. And then it's like, 
every time there's another one of these garbage things. I'm like, well, every single time you've told me not to put my money in here, it's gone up 50% or hundred percent. And then, you know, just compounding. And then you put, you know, $50,000 into this garbage thing. And then it just absolutely tanks. And then you're like, shit. And you put all your money in the next one and then it tanks. And it's like, and then it tanks and then it tanks. And then it's like, oh yeah, the markets have changed and people have come back to reality. And then you lost all of your money. <laughs> and the thing that's, I think, going to surprise people is the markets can change in a, in, in, in a snap of a finger. Like, it's not a gradual yeah. thing. You won't see it coming. No. You'll, you'll know it's happened when you're in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you probably won't even know. You'll know it once it's over. Like yeah, you'll, you'll look at exactly. everything's already happened and you'll go, oh, yeah, that was a bear market, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I came to that realization, I think, late 2018. So, we, like, the whole thing topped, like, what, January 20, 2018, right? December 2017, January 2018. I came to that realization around summer 2018. I was like, oh, fuck, this is not, yeah. not going to go back up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, took six, it took me six months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I, I, that was not a good summer, man. I, I had to come to like some hard realizations. Yeah. But, I know. but again, you know, it just comes back to that old thing. Like just put, put, put certain amounts of money wherever you're going to put it, but just know how long it's going to be in there. Right. Like, you know, you can, if, if I'm putting money in something for 10 years, like I can weather a bear market. Like if, it, if it's down for two years, I'm cool. Like I'm, I'm it's fine. You know, it doesn't stress well, me out. So here's the thing, like that, the, the good thing that came out of that was that I, I doubled down on the things that I knew that worked. Because I, I, once you're in a bear market, you start to question everything. It's like, oh my God, is my thesis wrong? Is this whole thing just like, a sh you know, whatever, right? So mm -hmm. I did my research again and I'm like, no, the fundamentals are still unchanged. It, the market just sold off, right? Yeah. So, I took, so I took whatever I had and I consolidated into the only thing that I knew that worked in Bitcoin. And then put like a, a flyer investment in ADA, just be Cardano, just because I, I listened to like every lecture that guy did. And like, I'm really impressed by the project. So that's all I did. I consolidated everything, just sold the losers. And that's a hard thing to do too, is to sell your losers because you have the hope that they'll go back up, right? <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, so I consolidated everything. And then this run up, like I, I did quite well, obviously not as good as the Dogecoin dudes, but like. <laughs> I, I, but I mean, like, this is not a competition. Like, for me, it's not even like about, um, actually, I was just talking to, about this with my crypto group. Like, it, it's not even about making money this time. It was about learning the right habits. Because if I want to be doing this for another 5, 10, 20, 30 years, I have to exercise the habits today. Otherwise, there's not going to be a 10, 20, 30 years. I'm going to be yeah. broke. <clears throat> That's, that's, that's been my, like my biggest mindset thing, like, you know, more so as of lately, but always like, even after my first, you know, six months in the markets when, you know, I got a hard kick in the ass with reality and it was like, I, I, I don't look for that. Like when I hear about people like putting 3000 bucks into Dogecoin and turning it into, you know, half a million dollars, I'm like, you know what, that's like, that's awesome, man. Cause like, I know if it was me, if I did put 3000 bucks into that, if it turned into 5,000 bucks, I would have sold. Cause I feel yeah. like, wow. Like, you know, I've made eighty percent of my investment. I'm out. Like, so I know me personally. I I wouldn't hold that long because I don't have the personality for it. So that's one thing that I always tell myself. The second thing is, you know, I want to do this forever. Like, I want to I want to really learn how to make money. Like, I want to be able to sit at my computer on a daily basis and get paid. I don't want to sit there and be like, oh man, when's the next crazy meme stock coming out that I can just gamble all my money into? Like. I don't want to be stressed. I don't want to risk any money. I don't like risking money that I've worked hard for. I just want to be able to put it in the market and get paid. And I want to be able to do that every day 
with no stress and just relax and do my thing. That's, that's what I want. And I, you know, you can't do that on these big gambles. I'm not interested in that. Yeah. I think he just made me realize something like the, um, there's, there's most, what most new traders are doing is not trading. It's gambling. You're just flipping mm -hmm. a coin. Like I don't see any difference between going to a craps table, putting on, betting it all on black or red, because you really don't even understand the fundamentals, right? Yeah. And then, and then there's trading where you're like consciously putting, like you said, putting your money to work. You, you look at it as an asset, and you need it to do, and you need a certain amount of return for it, and you have a plan on how that thing's going to get you. Get you. Yeah, right? exactly. And like so, so like I like. Here, here's one way that I did it recently. Like, so I, I stopped trading futures, Bitcoin futures, because it's like just madness right now. <laughs> like two weeks ago, I think there was $9 billion in liquidation. Wow. Nine billion. <laughs> that, that day that Bitcoin went from, I don't know, what was it, 60-something thousand to 47,000? Yeah, yeah. $9 billion in liquidations in one day. I saw, they said something like half a million traders got liquidated or half a million accounts. Jesus. Right? So it's like, so it's like, I, I like so for me once something gets too crazy i'm going to pull out right so i'm not trading futures at all right now but that doesn't mean i haven't found ways to put my money to work right because I, I think people think that trading and investing is like it's almost like a side hustle or something you could do on the side you, but it's like it's a full-time job too if you really want to do it right like you know you put in so much work right mm -hmm. like every day even and yeah, so like, I, I work, you know, my, my day job, I'm doing at minimum 50 hours, usually 50, 55, 60 hours a week at my like full-time job. And then every night I'm minimum three hours on the computer and then probably, I don't know, maybe five, six hours, Saturday, Sunday I spend. So like, I don't know, probably like 25 to 35 hours a week. I'm studying the markets and putting out orders and stuff on top of, you know, 50 to 60 hours a week at my full-time job. So yeah. like, I, I don't have, I don't have any free time and then, you know, I'm, I'm bodybuilding outside of that and I'm meal prepping, like, you know, through, through the week, I don't even turn the TV on. Like, <laughs> I don't have cable either. Like I, I, I'm, 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 I'm blessed if I can watch Netflix twice a week. Yeah. You know, it's like, like me like on, the, on the weekends. I might watch like, you know, four episodes of some little binge series that I'm into and then that'll be it. And then it'll be next weekend. Yeah. And like, and like what I wanted to say was like, this whole idea about passive income, I think is the worst virus that this generation has gotten. Like, what the fuck is passive income? You just have a bunch of money, you throw it out there in the ether and it becomes more money for you? Like, <laughs> in what world do you live in? Like, yeah, yeah. Right? I think, I think it's, just, it's, just a, it's, it's the wrong name for it. Like, passive income is like, you know, you, you invest your money in the markets and then it's like, yeah, you're just earning more money while it's sitting there. But like, to get to the point where you're ready to put that money into the markets takes time and effort and work. Yeah, well, it took you work to get that money, and it's going to take you yeah. work to grow that money too, right? The market yeah. is working automatically, but you have to put in prep work before. You put in how much prep work every night before your trades? Yeah, like it, it takes me two hours every single night to get ready for the next day. Yeah, every single day of the week. It doesn't, doesn't matter if I have income. Yeah, like I said, I get up at four in the morning, I set my stuff, and then I, I, I leave for work at quarter to five. I'm usually home at like six or seven and then I look at the markets again until eight or eight 30. I make my meals and I go right to bed. <laughs> That's my day. And, and like, so what I wanted to say about my, um, the, the money thing was like, I, I, I think my thing is like looking for inefficiencies somehow in the picture. 
And so one of the ways that I did that was like, first of all, I promised myself if my Tesla stock ever like went really far and my Bitcoin ever went really far, I forced myself to cash out and buy some real assets. Like, so that let's say it all disappears and Tesla goes to zero and Bitcoin goes to zero, I have something to show for it. Because I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to have a story to show for it. I want to have something to show for it. Right? <laughs> yeah. So like, so I ended up buying my dream car, which is a Model Y recently, right? Yeah. But that, but that was a, a, a really calculated thing. It's like, I bought it, but I financed it. So I took some money out, paid the down payment. I paid like 17,500 down payment, right? And then it was a 70 something thousand dollar car. I borrowed 63,000 from Scotia, 2% um, interest rate financed. And so my mm. thought process, but the thing, thing is this, it's like, I actually have the cash. I literally have the cash uh, split between three accounts who we were talking about earlier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're sitting there, they're actually yielding. So I have, I have them in USDC. And they're yielding an average of 9% uh, API, so 9% interest a year, right? So I've got like something like $60,000 sitting there getting, so like, I'm not investing because I don't know this market, but I'm not going to lock my money up into a car either. If, if Scotia is going to give me a loan for 2%, which is basically free, it's $3,900 to borrow that money for the whole, all, all six years, right? Yeah. I'm going to take my $60,000 and earn a freaking 9% interest on it. Yeah. Right. So you're earning 7% overall. 7% minimum. And then like, if a trade happens, I have cash on the side, I can deploy it, I can do whatever it is, right? So it's like, so even when you, so my point of trying to make is like, even when you don't necessarily have a trade or a move to do, there's still things that you can do, just try to think outside the box. Mm -hmm. And this is the work part portion of it, right? Just put it to work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and like, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I even posted the other day, like, uh, like I was like, I was watching the exchange rate. I'm like, yo, Canadian dollar is like 82 cents US right now. It looks like it might go up a little bit higher. I'm like, just buy some fucking US stocks now, sell it in six months with the Canadian dollars back down to 75 cents. You just made 7% in six months. Yeah, yeah. Like, I can't even do that with a trade right now. <laughs> yeah, right? I know. it's really funny how it all works. Like, once, you're kinda, once, you're, once you're in the matrix, everything starts to make a little bit more sense. Yeah, yeah. So I think everybody should start learning to look look at money a little bit differently and how, and how many and the, look into the different ways you can deploy it and use it because it's not just you know, yeah. straightforward. And just don't fall for all those stupid advertisements of like, oh, you want to learn how to make 5,000 bucks a month doing oh. Nobody can make five, like, you know, even, God, even look at like, <laughs> oh, okay, we, we got to end this podcast here in a second. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Think of like, you know, YouTubers or like Instagram people or like whatever, like there's, I can't remember who they were, but like my wife showed me this YouTuber and it was like, they just bought like this big house and all they do is like make funny videos on YouTube. Like they just do little 10 minute comedy skits or whatever. And then they just, they like posted. So, you know, everyone thinks like, oh yeah, it must be great getting all this money. Like they're barely doing anything. Right. Like that's what you think. But they posted their whole story and they're like, yeah, like, you know, we're just so grateful for this. Like we both quit our jobs like four years ago to try and give this shot at YouTube a full time. You know, we, we moved out of our apartment. We moved in with like my, my girlfriend's parents. Like we were living off craft dinner for the first year and a half before we first got our first YouTube check. Like, you know, we almost had no money left. And like, you know, there's just this whole backstory of just grinding away just to make 10 minute funny videos on YouTube. And now, you know, they're making, you know, well into six figures off their YouTube channel. Right. But everyone's, yeah. everyone's, looks at it and all, all, all you see is that little bit on the surface. Like, you know, you look at Warren Buffett, like all you see is like, oh yeah, he's a billionaire investor. Like look at the backstory, look at the history of how much work these guys put in to be able to do that. Like, you know, day traders, like 
oh yeah, the guy can just pull 3000 bucks out of the market every day. Look at the backstory. Like look at the struggles they went through. Look at, you know, the emotional turmoil, the losses, like the depression, like everything that goes along with getting to that point to now where, yeah, you can just sit in your house and relax and pull money out of the markets or pull money out of YouTube or Instagram or whatever. Like, you know, that's, I just, I, I had to do my rant. I, no, <laughs> I think, I think that's great. That's a perfect point to end on. I think like people don't, shouldn't look at investing or trading as like a side thing. Like if, if you're, if you really want to make some money out of it, take it seriously, like it's like a job, right? Like mm -hmm. don't, don't, don't think of it as like you put your money out there in the ether and it does something for you. It's like, think about how hard it was for you to earn that fucking money working $15 an hour, 20, whatever it is, how hard it was to get that money in the first place. And you're just going to throw it out there and bet it on red. No, yeah. what you do is you put more work in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, so. that's, yeah, that's pretty much the way the world works. And a lot of people just don't understand that. And then they get mad at the people who have stuff. <laughs> oh, Oh, must be nice. Look at how lucky this guy is. Like, yeah, Mr. Lucky over here only working 110 hours a week. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, I, somebody tweeted at Elon saying, like, must be nice or, like, lucky. And he's like, I employ 50,000 people, like, and I'd have worked, like, 40-hour, like, 40-hour, like, yeah. I think he, you know, I saw that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like, Musk, he's, like, he's like, he's like, wow, I guess I'm, I guess I'm lucky that I work, like, 16 hours a day, seven days a week for the past decade or, like, whatever the hell it was. But, yeah. Running Pretty two much. freaking companies, taking every dollar I have and investing in them, and and employing fifty thousand people, and you're criticizing me? Like, come on. Yeah, yeah. Like, imagine the imagine the shit he's got to deal with on a daily basis. Like, yeah, yeah. All right, brother. let's wrap up. Let's All right. So uh, next week, I think Brandon's back. We'll start. We'll start back up with the uh, market updates and. Uh, yeah, shoot us a message if you want us to answer some questions for you because, um, you know, sometimes we forget uh, that we, we, we could talk about some high-level stuff and people are, like, you know, lost. So, all right, take care, YouTubers. See you later, guys.